I want to look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 11 on this Father's Day. Hang with me as we read. You'll find it a little bit unusual when we begin. Because you know this account, this parable, that's known as the parable or the, uh, the, the account of the prodigal son. We want to read his account today, but we want to maybe look at it from a different angle than maybe you've ever heard. I don't know. But let's begin reading this morning at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It is one of the most striking parables, accounts in the Word of God, in my opinion. And there's something I was pondering on yesterday, because sometimes, you know, we're supposed to study the Word of God, and there's deep things of God, there's no doubt about it. But when Jesus talked in parables, He was talking in clear language that the simplest hearer could understand. It was usually only the religious crowd that he had to explain it to. Oftentimes he was talking very clearly to his disciples, his followers, and they would miss the point. <laughs> when the point was always so clear, it's so easy. And what I'm saying is there's deep things of God, but sometimes we just need to look at the simplicity of the message. Yes? Yes? Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus is the speaker. It says, Then he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he, his father, divided his estate between them. Now, I want to say something here that sometimes is missed, especially in different translations. This son is saying to his father, literally, I want my inheritance. And if you know anything about inheritance, and I think most of us do, inheritance doesn't come until you're dead. Do you understand that? It would be no different than any if you have children in this house and they come to you today and say, Dad, I know you, you've, you've, you've worked for 40 years and you've, your 401k, your stock sharing program and all that, and I know you're not going to spend it. I know you've worked and you know what? I'm tired of dealing with you and I want what you're going to leave me now. Now let that soak in lest you miss something. He says, give me what falls to me. And his father divided his estate between them. As far as I can see without argument. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and journeyed to a distant country. And there he squandered his possessions in, a, in prodigal living. And when he had spent everything... There came a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in want. So, when he, so he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly had, 
and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the husk that the swine were eating, but no one gave him anything. I noticed years ago, I'm a King James guy mostly, but sometimes there's some language in the King James that was lost, and people preached that he was eating with the pigs. When actually even King James, if you read it closely, doesn't say he was eating with the pigs. It says he would have gladly eaten with the pigs, but it wasn't offered. So we're talking about a Jewish boy that had no business in, 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 in with the pigs anyway. Unclean. But he was willing to have eaten with the pigs, but he was such a situation that even... The hogs were eating better than he was. When you squander what is offered to you by your father, you'll find yourself in a distant place, in a desperate situation where, where the worst of the worst and, and, the, and the bottom of the barrel is better off than you are. It says, when he came to himself, I love that. You know, sometimes we, that's all that, that's the only answer there is in life is we have to come to ourselves. Come on, somebody. There's some things, there's, there's, there's things that other people can't do for you. That they could, they could do everything in their power and it will do no good until you come to yourself. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have an abundance of bread? And here I am, perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I circled that. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet far away, his father saw him. Man, that's good news. And was moved with compassion and ran and embraced his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I circled the next three words because I like it. It says, but the father. Man, I, I, I promise you I could preach an hour on those three words. <laughs> Probably a week. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put on him. And put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Bring here the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to be merry. I circled the next word in my Bible. It says, now, the older son. Now the older son. 
Read slow sometimes. Break it down. Soak up what's being said. Now the older son was in the field. And he came and drew near the house and he heard music and dancing. His senses took over. He heard. You know, I see, smell, taste, touch, and hear. Senses. I heard, he heard the music, so he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said, your father or your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. He begged him. He implored him. But he answered his father and said, Now listen. Look at it close. My verse, the MEV says, he said, Look. Exclamation point. And I thought I kind of identified that because that's some of my language. Because I, I, I tend to say when something's un, in, stuck in my crawl. Y'all have crawls in South Texas? He says, I can see it. Look. That's what was going on. Probably a little... Look, these many years I have served you. Nor have I ever transgressed your commandments. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you listening? I've served you all this time and I've never transgressed your commandments. Hmm. Anybody ever got, anybody in here have a child who's never crossed them? Never disobeyed, never forgot to take the trash out, never smart-mouthed them, back-sassed them. I I'll wait. Okay. By the way, I'm trying to teach y'all how to read this thing. See, I, I read with emphasis. <laughs> I, I, I put myself there. I walk in and say, what's really happening? What's, what's a, it's not just words on a page. Look, I have never left you. He is saying, I've been working in your field all this time. And I always do what you want me to do. He said, you ain't never throw the party for me. Look, I have many years I have served you. I have never transgressed your commandments, yet you have never given me a goat so that I may be married with my friends. You've never thrown a party for me. But when this son of yours, I'm telling you, he was eat up with attitude. When this son of yours who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. 
And he said to him, this is the father speaking, son, I believe there was some intentional patience in his voice. Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. But it is fitting to be merry and be glad for this brother of yours. See, just a minute ago, it was the son of yours. Not my brother, the son of yours. But he says, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. But it's fitting to be merry and glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. First Corinthians chapter 4, I shared just a minute yesterday in men's breakfast. Apostle Paul is writing. And as far as we know, there, there, there are some theologians that think Paul may have been married at some point, maybe. But as far as we know, he was never married, as far as we know for sure. And we don't know of any children. You understand that? And Paul begins to write to the Corinthian church in verse 14. He says, I do not write, says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons to warn you. I came by on Father's Day because there are some things I want you to understand. That there's, there's a heart of a father that the church needs and it has nothing to do with biology. There's men in this building that you'll be fathers to people that you, that, you were, that you never were part of their biological makeup. You can be fathers to people that when you are childless. We don't, we don't know of Paul having any children whatsoever. He says, but I don't come to you to embarrass you, to tear you down. He says, I come to you as my beloved sons to warn you. He says, for if you, if you were to have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. I've read all this today just for a few moments to talk to you about, to bring to you the much-needed emphasis today that we need fathers again. I'm not big on calendars. You should know that by now. Uh, the calendar doesn't dictate what I preach. And very seldom on Mother's Day, Father's Day, and these days like this that really, frankly, the government came up with. Not the word. I'm not, people say that and people get upset. Well, you're against mothers. You're against fathers. No, that's ridiculous. I'm just for church and the things of God. But all week the Lord's been dealing with me that the church, you want to know what's wrong in the country today? You want to know what's going wrong, why there's riots in the streets, and why there's political turmoil, and why we seem to be coming apart at the seams? Because the world needs fathers again. 
The church needs fathers again. We, the, Paul talked about to, to Timothy through the last day's church about the dangerous times that were to come. And he talked about that there was a time coming that we, be, we would be ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. And Paul said, though you have many instructors, many people to teach you, many people to show, we have so few fathers. We live in a society today that, that, the, that the role of the biological dad, the father, is so diminished that they're mostly the laughing stock of the society and the butt of every joke. If you watch a sitcom, the father is always the dummy that's out of the loop. He's always the one, if he's even there. He's the one that just, he never knows what's going on. And in fact, he's usually the one that messes the whole situation up. I didn't read you the story of the prodigal today to talk about the son. Oh, he's part of the story, the, the younger son that demands his inheritance, that says to his father, you're dead to me. But I really want to talk to the church about the need for spiritual fathers. And, and when we see the spirit of the older brother. Come on, somebody. Hey, you can be a lady today. And carry the spirit of the older brother. So it's not tied to a gender. Don't miss the point in the account. Are you here? We can't expect to step out of God's plan for mankind and for it to end well. We can't expect to say that spiritual guidance and that, and that spiritual authority and, that, and a stable spiritual father as well as a natural father when they're absent that there's no consequences. It's not politically correct to say these things, but it's scripturally accurate. It's not politically correct See, today we talk because, because divorce is so rampant. We're not here to pick on divorced people. See, today, can I just be real frank for just a few minutes and put all the qualifiers that I'm going to do so we can have it out of the way? Is that okay? Because see, today when we have a 50% divorce rate, nobody can talk about divorce in church because people think you're picking on divorced people. Oh, y'all quiet. No, sir. I want to tell you a few things about, about so we can move on. The Word of God says that God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. You want to tell you why he hates divorce? I'll tell you why. If you've ever been through one, I shouldn't have to explain it to you. If you've ever been the child that's been through one, I don't have to explain it to you. 
I tell you why he hates it. Because of the destruction that follows it. Because of the hurt. Because of the turmoil. Because of the bruise. Because of the, of the long-lasting effects. He loves his children and he doesn't like to see them hurt. He hates the things that hurt his children. Come on, somebody. Listen. If you've been through these things, the Word of God is clear that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, that old things pass away, all things have become new. He's able to heal the wounds and put your life back together. It's not about those things. It's the fact that just because a society becomes overwhelmed with destruction doesn't mean that we don't call the people back to the Word of God. And we need spiritual fathers. We are in the turmoil in the church and out of the church because dads and fathers of influence are absent. I was raised by a great man. James Robert Armstrong. I happened to be named after him. They called him Bert. And he went home to be with the Lord when I was 21 years old. When he was 47. I loved him then. I saw his value then. But in the 30 years since he's left this place, every day that goes by, every week that goes by, every time October 31st rolls around, and it's another year that I've been without him, that I see the value that a strong father put in my life. Listen, there's people under the sound of my voice today that you never, you may not even know who your natural father is. You may not know who he is, or maybe you know who he is, but he's been absent so long that, you, that he's just never been part of your life. And Father's Day and Mother's Day on the other side of things, it's painful days for you. This is why Paul was saying to the church, I implore you as beloved sons. He said, you have all these instructors, but my word, how we need fathers. Men of God, there are people in the sound of my voice today and in your circle of influence that you, that you are not responsible for their physical birth, but my Lord, how they need you today. They will, they, will, they will speak into their life. They will teach them the value of treating their wife right and their children right. It will teach people that you stick through the hard times, through the bad times. Yeah. And you'll quit buying lies like these kids are better off if we're apart. One of the biggest lies that the enemy ever pulled on the, on the church and on the people is to have people believe that families are better off broken. My God. But, some, but we're after the fact now. We didn't come to pick on anybody. I've already established that. The point is, what Paul is saying, is we got to have people that will have, to have a spiritual father that will speak into their life. My dad's been gone for 30 years this October. 
And I love him. And his wisdom is still, is still rolling forward. And, his, and the things he taught me have grown over the years since he's left. But even though I had a great biological natural father, in his absence there's been men in my life in the last 30 years that have risen up to be fathers in my life, even though I had a great dad. You're not, you you got to hear what I'm saying. Let me talk to somebody. There's men under the sound of my voice right now. You may be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or older. And never had that godly influence in your life of a, of a, of a solid dad or a spiritual father. Let me tell you, I don't care how old you are today, you need one. You never outgrow the need for fathers. Paul didn't have any kids, but he had sons. He addressed Timothy as his son. I'll tell you today, men, every Paul needs a Timothy. And every Timothy needs a Paul. In America today, in the church world today, we're willing to talk about everything. We're willing to dance around every issue except the things that will actually change the situation. Does it matter? I think I'm right on. I don't think I'm far off, if off at all. But the last time I read... Of the, of the men incarcerated in the United States today, that 80% of those men didn't have a father. Does it matter? It matters. See, he made us in our light, in his own likeness. And in his, his own image. And he put together a home that was built around men and wife. Mm. I won't spend any time on this rabbit trail, but I can tell you one thing right now. The agendas, the political agendas of the day, the demonic doctrines of demons. Can I call them what they are? It's doctrines of demons that says that there's multiple genders and that you can put a family together any old way you want to. And you can say amen or oh me or whatever you want to say, but it's still true. It's, still, it's doctrines of demons. It's not political agendas. Paul called it in, the, in his last day's dissertation, doctrines of devils. Teaching. T doctrines means teaching. Teaching of demons. The first covenant, the second covenant that God made with man was what? 
The first covenant was when man fell. He, he shed the, the blood of an animal and get, put skins for their covering for their sin because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. First covenant. Second covenant was what? For this cause, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Second covenant. God doesn't break covenant. Ever. But the church has got to come to the place where they're willing to stand up and say the things that have to be said. And they're going to have to, we have to come to the place to realize that the world is never going to step up. Oh, y'all quiet. Y'all come. I was supposed to preach that blessed is the man whose quiver is full. <laughs> Proverbs something, something. You know, Father's Day message, right? You're not supposed to challenge people on Father's Day, preacher. What's wrong with you? I'll go down to the church down the street. They would never do this to me. See, in the church world today, we don't, we're not talking about the things that will make a difference because we don't want to be the next headline. We don't want to be the next YouTube video. We don't want to be the next Facebook post. We want people to like us. But in the meantime, people are dying and they're going to hell. In the meantime, families are falling apart. In the meantime, another boy is going to jail. In the meantime, another girl is, doesn't, know how, doesn't know that there's security in a home and a father that will wrap his hands and will protect her. In the meantime... The church is suffering. In the meantime, this is, the world is falling apart when it's all written in His Word that we've got to have a Father. And too often, see, he wrote these parables because he wanted the church crowd, the religious crowd, to see things for what it was. And yes, there are times when by their own fault, it was that boy's fault. He rose up in his pride and his selfishness and said, you're dead to me, Dad. I know better than you, even though he didn't make his own living. Isn't that kind of cool? Isn't it funny how he didn't have anything of his own, but he, but he had it all figured out? Didn't have anything. He says, give me what comes to me. He said, his dad, his father divided the estate. He didn't argue with him. That rebellious boy was just doing what rebellious boys do. Yeah. All right. Isn't it funny how something that earned is not hard to lose? When you didn't work for it. Oh, you talk about a rabbit trail I could go off on right now. When you don't work for it, it's real easy to go blow it all on. Did you notice when the money was gone, the women's was gone too? And I ain't picking on women's. You know, here, here I'll throw you a little nugget out that my daddy told me before, from... Old time enough to remember what he said. Tell you, I was 21. He's gone when I was 21. There's some things I remember that my daddy told me. That see, I would he my 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 wedding pictures from when 
from my late wife and I's wedding was the last photographs of my dad. He died three months later. But when I was getting married, he, he told me something about married life and about starting out on my own. He said, let me tell you something. As long as you have money, you'll have friends. He said, as long as you're grilling the burgers, as long as you're buying the beer. I didn't do I never did, whatever it was into that, but he, he, he was making a point. He said, as long as you're paying for it all, you'll have friends. He said, you'll find out who your friends are when you don't have nothing. When you can't feed them, when you can't invite them over, when you, whenever you can't do a thing for them. I noticed in the prodigal that he blew everything that his dad had. He, he spent it on women, it says, but he found himself with the hogs. Wasn't no, wasn't no chicks around when the money was gone. Bubba wasn't coming over for barbecue after a while. Whoo! That's good preaching. But see, his father put something in him. See, we need to realize there's more to the story than the prodigal. There's more to the story. There's more there than meets the eye. It's, it's right there. It's as plain as the nose is on our face. It's, it's written as clearly as it can be. But see, his father, he needed a father whether he knew he needed one or not. I can see when he demanded what was his, he didn't think he needed that man anymore. Are you hearing me? He thought, as long as I have my dad's possessions, as long as I have the benefit of his money, that I don't need him anymore. But his father had put something in him bigger than he even knew that he had. Because when he hit the bottom of life, when the money was gone, when the women were gone, when he was starving to death, it said he came to himself. He said, if I, he said, my father's servants live better than I'm living. If I can just get back to my father's house, then he, and I'll ask him, he said, at least I'll have a place to sleep. I'll have food to eat because my father's hired hands live better than I do. He knew that his father had put something in him that he knew he could come back, that he knew he would be better off than he was, that he knew that he could come to a situation of at least coming enough we need church people to show the world to show the prodigals that there, are, there is a place to come home we need to know that fathers and spiritual fathers are needed again so when people hit the rock bottom of life that they can come to themselves and know that they have a place to come in abundance yes See, what I'm talking about this morning is I want to show you the spirit of the father, but I'm afraid people walk through the doors and they see the spirit of the older brother. Did you hear me? Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it drives me nuts sometimes. No, I don't always want to help. That's my human nature. But we have to show the spirit of the Father because this is His house. His, it's all His. He said, oh, no, hold on a second. I've got to give you something real practical because we've all dealt 
See, I can tell you right now in the situation in America that we're in, all I know to deal with is America because that's where I live. That's where I preach. It's universal, but I'm going to deal with where we're at, okay? Is that all right? People say, you're always picking on America. That's where I'm at. I'm called to right here. It's where I'm at. When I go to Africa, I deal with Africans. I'm in America, so I'm going to deal with Americans. See, if it was the way we're doing things now, that boy would have never came to himself. He'd have never been hungry enough to need to come home. Preacher, you're mean. (laughs) Am I? Which is more merciful? To teach people where the supply is or to give them just enough to get by? What am I talking about? We've all been in prodigal situations. I've seen it over and over. I have seen, see, I have seen people make the demand and leave home. And you know what I usually see next? See, I have a different vantage point than you do because I see it from everybody. I, I, I see I'm in lots of people's lives and over the years as a pastor, you see things that other people don't get to be involved in. You may know about one or two, but I've seen it over and over and over. A prodigal makes a demand that says, I don't need you anymore. They leave out on their own and, inst- and, it's, and, and, and instead of doing what's right, that father spends every dime he has chasing that prodigal down until they're both broke, until they're both depleted, until they're both starving, until they both don't know what to do. Woo! Can I ask you a question that's written there? It's right there. Where was that father at when his boy came to himself? He was right where he left him. Isn't it a good thing he was there when he came home? Who? Y'all ain't listening. Isn't it a good thing he was there when he got there? And isn't it a good thing that instead of plundering everything that belonged to his other son, everything that belonged to him, everything that belonged to the servants, everything that supported everybody else, isn't it a good thing that instead of chasing after him, that he stayed home and took care of everything so when the boy said, my father's servants live better than this, that there was a place to come where there was still plenty. You ain't listening. He gave him his demand. And let him go come to the end of himself. You say, man, that's tough. No, keep reading. He didn't turn his back on him. Amen. No, sir. No, siree. No. And I said, I said, golly, from the pulpit yesterday, today, I said, no, siree. Do I need an interpreter in Africa? I need an interpreter. Y'all understand all that? He was on his way back, coming as a servant. And my Bible says, and your Bible says, that his father saw him from afar off. It tells me that every day that he was working, I think we imagine that that was the agricultural, that it was a farm. That's what's in my mind. Every day he worked that land. 
Every day he put away more because you know his supply didn't end. It's because he gave away what he had at the time. His supply kept building. I have a father that his supply never is exhausted. I have a father that even though I stray, even though you stray, even though we lose our mind and think we don't need him, that, his, that there is no end to his abundance. And it says that he came to himself and he started home and it says his father saw him from afar off. Brother Richard, that means to me as he was doing, he was looking down the road. That tells me he had an anticipation, an expectation that he knew that he would come to the end. of, and he, he knew it wasn't going to last. And he knew what he had invested in that boy. Oh, what if he hadn't invested? Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's older, he'll not depart from it. See, they can never draw from a spiritual account that there was never a deposit made. He was looking because he was anticipating that what he had sown would not return void. Heart of a father. He didn't make him come all the way either, Richard. Listen. I got to hurry. The spirit of an older brother will say, you left when you get back. Spirit of a father is looking for him. It says when he saw him, he ran to him. See, I'm going to tell you, when you set your sights towards home, your father is watching. And he will run to you. He says he ran to him and fell on his neck. And he said, boy, I can't believe what you've put me through. You've kept me and your mama awake day and night. Day and night. Night and day. I can't believe what you've put me through. You get yourself on up to the house and I'll talk to you next week if I decide to. No, sir. Says he ran to him and fell on his neck. And he called to his servant. He said, listen, go get a robe and put on his back. That says he's part of the family. See, when I go home, when I get home, the Lord tells me that he's gonna that he's gonna give me a robe when I get home. It says, put a ring on his finger. He was not only part of the family now. That ring in that, in that culture was the, was the signal, the, the power of his authority. When he put a ring on his finger, it meant that he's my boy. That's my son. That, that, that whatever I say, he says. Whatever I, when he can speak on my behalf. He can act on my behalf. It's the full privilege of who he is. Put a ring on his finger. He said, and put shoes on his feet. Why did he need shoes on his feet? Because he came home to be a slave, and, shoes, and slaves didn't wear shoes in that culture. 
He says, not only are you in the family, you got my authority, but you're no slave. You're my son. No reprimand, a celebration. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes home. All of heaven. But then there's the one I'm afraid is seen too soon. That's the one I'm afraid I've, I've demonstrated too often, me. out in the field and here's the party what's going on your brother's home oh oh I ain't having none of that Let me tell you how that manifests today. I've said it. I've heard it. I've seen it. Boy, we had good church today. So-and-so that's been off. Hadn't seen them in ever. They were there this morning and they ran to the altar and gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a great day. And they say, oh, it'll never last. Or here's my favorite one. I like this one. By I like it, I mean I hate it. Because, boy, I, oh, again. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the spirit of the older brother. <laughs> this is why we need, we need more fathers and not more brothers. <laughs> got all smart mouth and sassy with his dad and he was enjoying the benefit of everything that he always had it cost him nothing that his brother left it was his, it was his part his father divided and gave him his part not your part he squandered his part not yours when he come home he says look been with you all this time. You know what he was saying? And I've obeyed everything he ever did. Religious folks will try to tell God that we've done everything we were ever supposed to do. Speaking to no doubt to the Pharisees, they're saying we've kept the law perfectly. <laughs> One time they told Jesus that we've never been in bondage to any man. Do y'all remember that? They told, the Pharisees told Jesus, the brothers told Jesus, we've never been in bondage to any man. When you and I both know they were in Egyptian bondage for 400 years, they were in, they were in Babylonian captivity, they were in, see, religious spirits forget what, they, what, what the Father's done for them. We had never been, we never went anywhere, we've never done anything. I have been here working for you all this time, Lord. You know, Humility. Can't you hear the, his, his humility talking? 
I've been with you all this time. This many years I've served you. I noticed that his father didn't rebuke him either when I'd have punched him in the face. <laughs> or as we say at our house, square, I'll punch you square in the face. Now just so you know, that's just something we say. We've never really done it. <laughs> Yet. in the face <laughs> he didn't say none of that <laughs> he said son everything I have is yours he hadn't lost a thing I'm going to tell you something. By the way, you're never going to lose a thing serving him all your life. You may get sore at other people and you may get crossways with your brother, but I'm going to tell you it's never costed you a thing. No matter what anybody else does, he's still good. He's still God. He still has enough. And, and, there, and you're never going to deplete his supply. Everything I have is yours. He said, son, your brother was dead. That's what he said to his dad when he left. He said, you're dead to me. In that culture, it was, that was the end of it. Not, and you have to really think about what's being said culturally because it matters who's being spoken to. You're dead to me, dad. Give me what's mine. You're never going to see me again. What he's saying is, this is death. This is it. My son, which was dead, is alive again. My son, my son, he said, this brother, this son of yours, brother says, and dad turns around and says, this brother of yours. So he turned it around. This son of yours, this brother of yours was lost. Now he's found. Listen, we need the spirit of the Father to reign in the church, in my church, in my life, in your life, in your family. We need the spirit of the Father to reign. We need to put down that spirit of the, 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 uh, the brother was saying, really, really, really what he was saying was, what about me? He never had a party for me. What about me? And it's not in there, but it's in there. <laughs> Do y'all know that there's things that's in there that's not in there? What about you? <laughs> what about you? Everything I have is yours. You're not wounded, hurt, depleted. In any way, shape, or form, because I received your brother. I beseech you as sons, beloved sons. He says, though you have a thousand teachers, you don't have many fathers. Man, I'm calling on. See, anybody can demonstrate the spirit of their father. 
You don't have to be a man to do it, but we need men to do it. Y'all ain't hearing. You want to reach this world? You want to reach this area? Show the love of the Father. Yeah. Show the love of the Father. Put away the spirit of older brother. You've been with him all your life. Praise God. That's not a, that shouldn't be a, a complaint. That should be a praise. Been with you all my life. And you know what? The celebration. Is the, see, what he wouldn't realize in the, is that the benefits of the Father don't always come in this life, but it's coming. He was enjoying the daily benefit. I'm talking about the celebration. Stand with me all across this place. I don't want to spend much time on it here at the end, but I do want to kind of share something because it, somebody needs to hear what I'm talking about. I told you my dad's been gone 30 years. His influence grows and goes. Still with me. But I thought about fathers that I've needed over the years in his absence. And I, I could name several, but, I, but I'll name one that you know. See how important is it? I remember in September of 2015, my first wife had just died two weeks before. I'd grabbed a plane to go to Houston to Empowerment Conference. Norton's Church, CT Church. I'll never forget the, the, the unbelievable aloneness I felt walking off of a plane in an airport. But, you know, I'd been following a wheelchair for 10 years at this point, taking care of somebody day and night. And I was profoundly aware of my aloneness. But I came to Houston to, to go to a Pentecostal meeting. Met a man in the airport. That that's another story. I don't want to talk about him. But I also, that weekend, that very week, met a spiritual father at a time when I needed him most. See, I just pastored a little old church in Backwoods, Arkansas. I mean, it's Backwoods. I'll show you pictures. I mean, you, had to, you, had to, you can't get there from here. I pastored in a place where he said, good Lord willing. I see you tonight, good Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise. That actually meant something. Because most of the church lived on the other side of the low water bridge. And if you got a lot of rain, they were flooded in. You wouldn't see in them for a week. <laughs> All true. I mean, he knows you don't feel like a big preacher under those circumstances when you're pastoring in a one-room schoolhouse, backwoods Arkansas, and you're alone. I met Roger Maddox that weekend. I just went to Africa with him for the second time. make myself cry if I think about it. I was a nobody from nowhere. An absolute nobody from absolutely nowhere. Anybody know where Jack Creek is besides Mays? Heather probably don't even remember how to get there. <laughs> Anybody know where Jack Creek is? No. 
Anybody ever heard of me before I got to Mauriceville? No. <laughs> Nobody from nowhere. And in one of my loneliest hours of life, a man named Roger Maddox sat by me at dinner one night and began to speak to me and talk to me. The man, this man had just retired from Springfield. He was at the Blue Goose. He was at headquarters. He was somebody. People know Roger Maddox from coast to coast. Y'all hear me? And that day he began to speak to me and treat me as an equal. The guy that just came from headquarters and the guy that's pastured down by Jack Creek. And he began to speak into my life and encourage me and tell me I could do it and tell me that God wanted to use me. And God, are you hearing me? And I love that man like my dad. Why? Because I needed a father. He's not kin to me. I met him in 2015. I knew who he was from a distance, but I met him in 2015. And Heather knows to a degree. I'm sure. He's been like a father to me for the last six years. He's encouraged. He's brought me up, never brought me down. He helped me realize my value. Are you hearing me this morning? Church, Mag Church, we need that. Somebody in this room right now, somebody listening by live stream, needs somebody that'll step into their life and do that. Somebody needs a father and someone needs to be a father. And this morning, somebody in this house needs to meet their heavenly father for the very first time. You've heard about him, but you don't know him. But he knows you. And he's looking for you. He's anticipating your arrival. And he's prepared to put a robe on your back, a ring on your finger, shoes on your feet, and to proclaim. And all of heaven will celebrate that my son, which was dead, is alive again. See, he, the Bible tells me that I was dead in my trespasses and sin. But Jesus. He said he, he calls me out of darkness into marvelous light. Jesus. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the father that's always looking. If that's you this morning, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm going to come down here to back to floor level because I'm going to meet you here then other people are going to join you and we're going to pray with you this morning if that's you. Is that you this morning? Say, I don't want to step out. No, it'll be the best. See, sometimes you got to come to yourself and head home. Sometimes you got to come to yourself and head home. Come on. Come on. Somebody that's here this morning needs to head home. Saints are praying. We're not going to beat you to death with it, but we're going to keep inviting you for the next few. Come home. This morning, you know who you are, and you've been away, or maybe you've never. Come home. Come home. Just a few more seconds. It's not going to keep. It's your decision. You're the one that has to come to yourself. You're the one that has to step out. You're the one that has to head home.
speaking to the people, to the men of Mag, that we have to be more than attenders, that we have to come up to a level of speaking into people's lives. People in this church that already are here, they need spiritual fathers. If that's you this morning, you know the appeal has been to you from the whole time. If that's you this morning, I don't care if you've been here for 60 years or you started coming last week. If that's you this morning, man, this is, this is directed at you. It's you. We don't, you know what? Everybody has a role in the church, but a strong church will have men that are willing to be spiritual fathers. I'll just tell you straight up. That's, that's the strength of a church. If that's you this morning, men, if you're going to say, I'll step up. Step out and step up right now. We're going to pray together. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Not just over your own household. Come on. Come on. Yes. It's an awesome responsibility because you're what they see when they come home. <laughs> it's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody that's still in your seat, stretch your hand towards these men. Yes. Yep. Look across this place. Do you know what heaven can do with this? Do you know what God can do with this? Do you know what can be done in this area with this? In this church, to school kids that go to Magsie, that come to Wednesday night, that mom and dad is not who brings them. Do you know what God can do with this? Lord, today we offer ourselves. Come on, men. I offer me. Lord, I, re I repent of the spirit of the elder brother. And Lord, I present myself. I want to be a father, not just to my own children, but to your children. Lord, I want to be the face that people know they can run to. The one that I can speak into their lives, that I can be, that I can be stern when I need to be, but be patient when I need to be, that I can speak truth without ever backing up, that I that I'm willing to be, that I'm willing to make the stand. I'm willing to be the one who, who that can only fill this role in lives. I, I want to step up. I'll invest in life. Don't even have to be young lives. There's, there's people of every age that needs a spiritual father. Man, I would ask him. Man, it's a dangerous ask, but it's a powerful ask and it's a rewarding ask. God, here I am. Use me. Use me. Use me. Put people in my life. Give me the opportunity. And Lord, remind me to take the chance that eternity will bear witness that it was worth it and Lord will give you praise for it in Jesus name